This is Twos and Threes. I'm Marcus Hintze. Uh With me, as he has been for every single episode of this podcast, is my brother Doug. Doug, your loyalty is like Phil Johnson to Jerry Sloan, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, you know. I mean, it's it's pretty tough to stick in there for all of these rigorous podcasts. Your grit factor I, is on an all-time high right now. I, I, you know, I'm I'm a man of true grit, and, <laughs> and I'm doing my best, you know. Just, to be fair, I'm only good. calling you Phil Johnson because of the two, I think you're the more tactical, and I'm the more likely to get thrown out of a game. So <laughs> <laughs> you won the there coach of the year, man, and uh, I didn't. All right. Well, real quick, uh, this is episode two of our podcast, um, our, our burgeoning podcast. Uh, episode one was really fun, and it was really fun uh, that a few people listened to it, and have, uh, been, it's been fun to talk to them about it in the last week. Thank you very much for everybody who's listened. It, uh, it's been a fun week. Yeah, honestly, thank you for all the support. It's, we've had a lot more listeners than we thought we would, and we just want to keep, keep spreading the the Hintzy word of, of jazz <laughs> and all sports to, to the world. So For real, and, and it's funny because we threw the last one together pretty quick. I, feel, I felt more pressure this week. I feel like the whole week I'm like, man, this is episode two. This has to be like the Godfather 2 level, like, you know, best <laughs> sequel of all time. And like my real fear is that it's, it's going to be more like Aladdin 2 Return of Jafar or, or whatever that was called. <laughs> but I think, I think we'd settle for like episode 2 of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or just basically anything that survived to an episode 3. Um, so we'll go for it, right? I mean, here we are. Yeah. Okay, well, to do a quick, to jump into this one, I don't want to go through the long intro from last time, so I've asked my daughter Haley to give a little rundown of uh, how this podcast works. Prior to recording this podcast, your hosts, my dad and uncle, texted each other three topics, mostly related to the Utah Jazz. They will discuss these topics in three segments, modeled after the Hinsey growth theory. Research shows that Hinsey males grow in three sequential segments, head, limbs, and torso. The first segment of this podcast, like a Hinsey boy head, tries to be thoughtful and is a little too big too early. The second segment, like their lanky limbs, is the longest, gets kind of goofy, and at times might flail a bit. The third segment, like their torsos, comes last and might not fully form. Lastly, if we're lucky, there might also be a bonus and one segment at the end. For more details on the Hinsey male growth theory and the format and origin of this podcast, see episode one. Now on to segment one. Awesome. Big thanks uh, to my daughter, Haley. Uh, so let's jump right in, Doug. Segment one, I, I kicked us off last time. Why don't you start us off this time? Okay, so <clears throat> segment one, I, I, I also want to say thank you to Haley. She's a true trailblazer. She is the first grandchild in the Hinsey family. And, you know, we're trailblazing this podcast. So it's a good, good theme to the show. But There you go. Um, so for segment one part one um i want to talk about the preseason and so the preseason and and i want to get your takeaways um i mean what sometimes it's tough to get um 
not to not get too wrapped up in the preseason, but I'm sure our emotions are different from halfway through the week as they are right now. But so my first takeaway, and I'm going to steal it. That's why I wanted to go first. And I'm sure you're you're going to say the same thing. But takeaway number one from the preseason is that the Jazz need Rudy Gobert <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the first game happened, and you know it's the first game of the preseason. It means yeah. nothing, but it, and really, it was the second game. I mean, they yeah, played that yeah. that thirty sixers team from Australia, which I watched zero seconds of. Um, the Bucks game, though, I it was on my league pass. I had a I had it on. I was stoked. It was like, you know, an evening thing. I was looking forward to it. It's like Giannis. You know, the Bucks are going to yeah. be good. The preseason talks like, ooh, maybe these are the two number one teams in each conference, and then it turned out. But Giannis just dunked on our on our souls like over and over again, um, and and at first it was funny because I was like, yeah, no, no, it's preseason. And then like later I'm like, no, no, really, Marcus, it's preseason. Then I'm like on Twitter, I'm looking at what people are saying, and they're making fun of people for freaking out, but then they're also kind of freaking out, and I'm like, oh. And then it sort of like settled on like dawned on me. I was like, oh, oh yeah, there was a shot of Rudy on the bench, and I was like, it turns out um, he's pretty good. And he yeah. matters to our team. <laughs> I mean, Quinn and the Jazz, they just threw everybody at Giannis. And honestly, there was, I mean, there was no stopping him. And I mean, we had talked about this earlier in the week, not to take away from our past conversation. Um, but, um, I mean, what would the Bucks be without Giannis? Like, the, Rudy Gobert, in probably both of our opinions, top 10 player in the NBA. And, I mean, you take away Giannis, top 10 player, then... Yeah, they're like kind of an average team. And look, to us, to both of us, he is a top 10 player in the NBA. I think if you understand basketball, no, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but but at least in like ESPN, Sports Illustrated list, he's in the top 15. Not having him made a massive difference. One of my takeaways was that Ed Davis is a lot skinnier than than Derek Favors. <laughs> and, and watching from game one to game two, he looks really good as the backup center. And... And he still played hard. Like I'm, I think he was an amazing pickup. He rebounds like crazy. But having him in the starting center and watching him like try to stand in front of Giannis uh, was was horrifying. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. I honestly thought the same thing. I was like, oh, whoa. Because I, I like watched Ed Davis before, right? I liked the Nets when he was on. I watched him on the Blazers. So I'm like, I knew who Ed Davis was, obviously. But right. the whole offseason, everybody's like, Ed Davis, what a great pickup. And I was like, yeah, Ed Davis, great pickup. And then it started. I was like, "Wait, is that a Davis? Like, is that is that is that Ronnie Brewer? Is that is that CJ Miles? Like, he looks he looks so much smaller." But then when they played the next game, and he came off the bench and he was playing against the backups, it was like, "Oh yeah, this guy's gonna be awesome in the role that he's brought here to to play." And also, Rudy yeah. looked massive. I mean, the other thing in that first game was like. Conley and Bogdanovich, who obviously are the two people that people have been most excited about, shot like oh for a million. Um, right. And they were all good looks. It felt like Bogdanovich in particular was was out there trying to be like, I just got a huge contract. Like, I'm going to show you I'm awesome. And and it just didn't totally work. Uh, but this is the first time they're ever playing together. So I don't know. You know? Yeah, I agree. But and And then if you segue that into... Um, into the next game against the Pelicans, I feel like like the core seven or eight guys on the Jazz looked so good. I mean, if you muscled it through and watched 
um, the bench players and the and the G leaguers playing in the end to the to the one point loss, which is really disappointing. You better believe I did. <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't even know why I questioned that. But <laughs> I was paying a little less attention. I think I was cooking every right. time. But I was I was super bummed by the end of that. But honestly, they're like the core seven A guys looked super good. It was uh, it looked it was a thing of beauty. Okay. Yeah, it was a thing of beauty, and also. You know, New Orleans, okay, so we're being fair all the way around. They weren't playing Drew Holiday, I guess. Drew Holiday's really right. good at basketball. But they were playing the most of their team, and most of their team is young and trying to play hard, and Zion was awesome. Um, and their team's good. Like, Lonzo Ball actually shot kind of a normal-looking shot, and he was great. Um, and But when the Jazz starters were in, or when the, like, whatever the, you know, when the five or six best players were in, so bringing in Joe Ingles who didn't start, it looked awesome. I mean, you the Pelicans announcers were like, have you ever seen this many corner threes? And they were open and they were making them. It was like watching the Houston series last year, except for like with them going in. So <laughs> that was cool. Conley on the floater was good. I still thought Bogdanovich was a little skittish at first and then he got into a really nice rhythm. And it was just like, oh yeah, this is what people have been talking about. Um, all off season, and right off the bat, this is when it really settled. In. Like you and I talked about it after the Bucks game, and we're like, "Yeah, but Rudy." And you know, I believed it. But then we started watching that game, and I was like, "Oh, but Rudy," because he was just—he right. was so big, and he was putting like when Conley threw him the first lob that he dunked. I was just like, I, "You know, take me to the hospital. Like, give me on an IV." I, I, it was it, my heart was going fast. It was pretty awesome. Right. It's, yeah, and so I guess, like, from that, my next takeaway, and this is, like, so hard when, I mean, it's, it's like, sad, but, like, when the Jazz means so much to you, it's so hard not to get wrapped up in, like, the game-to-game drama. Totally. But I feel like my key takeaway from thus far in the postseason, first three games or two and a half, whatever you count, the 36ers game, um... I mean, I, I think the Jazz are going to be good. And, like, <laughs> and, I, and, and maybe it's more like an emotional check for me that, I mean, 82 games is so long. Man. It's too long. <laughs> I, I know exactly. Like, for me, the first five minutes of the Bucks game was PTSD of, like, the beginning of the regular season last year. I think they played the Kings in the first game. <laughs> and there was so much hype. They brought back the whole team from the year before that made it to the second round of the playoffs. We all thought, like, oh, we're just going to get better. People are playing together again. Exum's going to be healthy. Um, Like, Donovan's going to take a second-year leap. And then, like, we just looked really flat against the Kings. They had played an awesome game against the Warriors that we lost by a Jonas Jarebko tip-in, which was heartbreaking. And then just... Sucked for like warriors. Sorry, yeah, warriors. What? what, Who did I say? Um, Oh yeah, warriors. And then, and then we just sucked for like two weeks. And it was like you could feel all of jazz Twitter, all of like jazz collective fandom, just angsty. And it never really went away. Even when they played good in the second half of the season, it was kind of just like the year before was a surprise. Happy, we came out of the Gordon Hayward thing, and actually we were good. And the second half of the season was awesome. Last year, it was always just like, why aren't they a little better, you know? And right. and so, like, I felt that it was like those feelings were happening in in the first five minutes of a preseason game. And I was like, 
do I need to talk to somebody? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, do I need to <laughs> but that's why we have this podcast, Doug, because I talked to you. And I was already feeling better. So, but yeah. Uh, but I do think, like, watching game two, watching the guys gel a little bit, uh, the, it's, it looks good. I mean, I think it looks really good. And, I mean, this totally. kind of bleeds in, like, my first segment thing. I don't, I don't want to cut it off if you had another yeah, takeaway. But I think this bleeds into it. Um, was... You know, I just texted you the floor is the basement. This was after the the after the Bucks game, basically, and after I read this article by John Hollinger that I'll talk about now. But but first of all, Michael Jordan, thanks for Space Jam. The roof is the ceiling and nothing else. But two podcasts in a row, I'm I'm referring to that one thing that he said. And some cool shoes. Some cool shoes <laughs> That's true. There. I had some awesome Jordan kicks when I was in second grade. Um, but. So John Hollinger wrote this article that I read right before the Bucks game, which is in The Athletic. If you don't know John Hollinger, he's kind of like a pioneer in NBA analytics. He invented this uh, advanced stat called player efficiency rating, which ESPN uses on its site all the time. Lots of people refer to it's called PER, you know, for short. And people use it all the time. Like if it's in the 20s, it's really good. If it's in the 30s, you're like all time great. And it, it sort of matches up with like the best seasons that have had in the, in the history of the NBA. It's pretty good. He also like wrote the code or whatever, the algorithm that ESPN uses for its um, numbers based power ranking system. So this guy's got some street cred. He went to, he stopped writing for a while because he was in the Bucks front office, sorry, the Grizzlies front office for the last few years. And he just left. I'm not, honestly not sure if he got fired or if he quit, but he just left and he's writing for the athletic and he wrote a preview for the, for the Northwest division um, which is the division in which the Jazz fall, and predicted that the Jazz would win 49 games, so less less than last year by one, yeah. and be sixth in the West. And I was just like, John, what what the buzzkill, man? Like, where, where are you coming? <laughs> and I read it, and it's like not as is the text of it is not as bad as that felt. But he was basically like, the Jazz traded, you know, some like better talent for better fit. Basically, Derek Favors was better than like Bogdanovich as a basketball player, but Bogdanovich fit way better than than Favors did with the Jazz. He's he's he mentioned that we would hate that contract in a couple years, which I thought was a little stinging. And he talked about Jeff Green and Jeff Green, you can't always rely on him. I thought it was kind of interesting because he, he has a little dig in there at himself for what he traded to get for Jeff Green. So, so I don't know. At first, I was like, here's my takeaway to you, John Hollinger. Um, you were on the Grizzlies the last few years during their demise. Thanks. Um, you, you don't want Mike Conley to win now that he's left your team. And uh, you're bitter about Jeff Green. But but no, I, I don't know. I just read that and I was like, oh. Uh, but, you know, it kind of went back to what we were saying before. Is to the West is just stacked and, and tight and and whatnot. But I, but between that and then watching the Bucks come out, at first I was like, I don't know what's gonna like. Was I way too high at last season? And then uh, I don't know. What do you think about all that stuff? I don't know. I, I felt like when I was reading the article, I, it, it just seems like a hypercritical take. Right. Like, like you said, like when you're reading through it, I, I, it doesn't sound as bad. I think his article almost represents more of what we talked about last year, where, like you said, like the floor is the ceiling. Like it. I feel like that's like 49 win seasons probably like worst case scenario six seed we both talked about how we don't I don't know we don't think that's gonna happen but yeah 
Yeah, it's true. No, go ahead. It was just kind of like a pessimistic take on the jazz, and it's kind of like... Well, he is a very numbers-driven dude, and he kind of was, like, driving everybody to the median. It was like, this is what I think is the the middle ground performance for all these teams. And I think his big thing was, like, the jazz are thinner on the bench, and so if, like, Rudy gets hurt, they're they're small. And that sort of bore itself out in the Bucks preseason game. (laughs) But... Yeah. uh, And so maybe that's right, um, that that there's less margin for error there. Interestingly, he said he thought that they they were better positioned to be good in the playoffs. The one thing I liked from his thing was he was like, he basically said they outplayed Houston four games out of five in the playoffs last year. They just missed a million shots and they were just determined not to do that again this year. And all that is fair. It's I, the, the ultimate outcome, I just think, I, I guess I'm more optimistic on Quinn's ability to make guys on the bench who haven't performed at a, and in his bigger role before succeed and that his system sort of leads to more wins. Um, like last year in the jazz point differential was like the third highest in the NBA, I think. So meaning like they averaged their average scored at every game. Like they won by more than all but three teams. And that normally translates into a real high seed, but they lost, they had like a terrible record in close games and that was yeah. just, they couldn't score at the end of games. And I kind of think Quinn's system makes the first one happen and now having Conley and Bogdanovich and more space for Mitchell leads to more of those close games uh, going the Jazz way. So we'll see. I stick by my uh, – like I'm optimistic. 60 wins. I feel a little shakier going against John Hollinger, but I'm still I'm still there. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, or, yeah, I don't know. But should we move on to – Yeah, let's jump two? to segment number two. So this is our, our second segment. I, I'm calling this one, um, I'll go first. I'm calling the segment this week, A Bruised Banana is a Treat. So for this, I texted you and said, try to think of something that mom or dad or a grandparent or somebody used to say a lot that applies to the jazz. Um, and as a backstory, when when we were young, I at least when I was a kid, I don't know if dad ever said this to you, but um, he would often... Like dad's pretty pretty easygoing guy, um, but every now and then he you know he gets that uh, annoyed look on his face, which I've been told I get as well, and uh, and it often came up when he was thinking we were a little just acting soft or spoiled, and I remember one time complaining about a big banana bruise, and he was like, when I was a kid, a bruised banana was a treat, and I was like, BS, dad, like it didn't work on me, right? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> But I mean, like, yeah, sure, Dad, and you ate bread and milk all the time, which I think was true. Um, <laughs> but fast forward years later, I'm there with my two daughters, Haley and Avery. This is like four or five years ago, so they're young. They're like six and three or something. And they get a banana with a, a brown thing on it, and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, you know, Grandpa Kai always says a bruised banana is a treat. That's a bruised banana. That's it's a treat. And they were like, oh, okay. And they totally bought it. And for like two years, they'd be like, ooh, is it bruised? Ah, a bruised banana is a treat. Grandpa Kai thinks I, I kid you not, Doug, this worked. It was amazing. And so until finally it like wore off, you know, I think I tried it on uh-huh. Lucas and he was like, no, it's not. Um, but for the girls for two years, a bruised banana was a treat. Bringing this back to the jazz. I don't want to say like call anybody this, but getting Jeff Green is a little bit like a Bruce Banana, <laughs> just <laughs> just in the sense that 
there's this long history of people trading for Jeff Green for a lot. Of, I mean, this came up in the Hollinger article that I was saying. Trading for Jeff Green for a lot. He's so athletic. He he look he is like one of the few guys who physically compares to LeBron James in the NBA, and he's had flashes of being awesome, like in the Eastern Conference Finals with Boston, or sorry with the Cavs. Like he w- he sort of put them over the top to get to the finals, and with the Thunder it was like this with the Celtics. I texted you this thing. We don't need to talk about it much, but just I'll I'll like tweet it out with the link to this podcast for people to watch. But the Ringer did this awesome um, video, I think, written by Ryan Rosillo that was like an NBA AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous type thing where people sit in a in a circle and talk about the players that they keep believing in despite of their failures. And it's really, really funny. It especially, was especially if you're a jazz fan, because there's like Rodney Hood is in there. Dante Exum is in there. And Jeff Green. And Jeff Green is like the key one. Um, but the truth is, I'm in the believing that a bruised banana is a treat face right now. Like it's coming, like at first we, tra- we were trading for everybody this offseason. I was like, Oh man, like I'm in on Mike Conley now. Okay, great. Bogdanovich, what a great fit. Like I loved him from when I saw him in the World Cup. I loved him on the Nets. I loved him on the Wizards. Great pickup. He was awesome on the Pacers last year. We're just like Ed Davis. It all makes sense. And then it's like Jeff Green. And like as a rule in my mind, I'm like, oh, Jeff Green equals not that that great of results. And then... And then I was like, but actually, he was kind of good last year on Washington. And actually, we're getting him on the minimum. And then people are like, smart people were like putting on, like in articles and on Twitter, like, actually, though, in this role, Jeff Green makes a lot of sense. And then I've been watching him in interviews. He's like going to Disney World with Mike Conley with their kids together. Um, He like wants to be there. And he is this athletic, versatile, big body that we really need losing Derek Favors and, and some of the other dudes. And I'm all in I like love I think I tweeted it was late I was kind of half awake and I think I tweeted like two weeks ago like I would give my life for Jeff Green after like seeing one of his interviews so I'm I'm in Uh, he's my bruised banana I want it more bruised it just means it's more ripe and I love it I I love that okay so there's a definite generation gap between the 10 years of your childhood and the 10 years of mine okay dad a bruised banana was never a treat. <laughs> I think I think the I treats got a lot better. That, I think the <laughs> treats got a lot better a decade later. Um, having yeah, visited your, you guys have like creamies all the time, and like you're always like stocked with like the good kind of chocolate milk. So I, yeah, I, I, right. no doubt that. But anyways, did you have yeah, did you have one? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I did want to make a, a comment on that that I've always loved Jeff Green, and I still remember when. He was drafted uh, Sonics, right? They were still the Sonics. Totally. And I was like, oh, man, Jeff Green and Kevin Durant? like." Oh, yeah. At like, the what? time, it was like those two and then um, having Harden and then ultimately Westbrook. I can't remember which one came. But it was just like, oh, these guys are going to rule the NBA forever. Yeah. And but then and then and then I, and then I still always liked him. And I was kind of like, Where, like, where's Jeff Green? And then and then when he got his heart surgery and it. And they, ESPN did a big article on that, and I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. Well, that's the but, other thing. Uh, it's like a Sean Livingston type of a story where if he could have, like, get the ring with the Jazz now after that, like, horrible health thing early, that'd yeah. be awesome, too. Yeah, totally. So, and mine is also a dad quote. Okay. <laughs> but dad Shout would out dad. say, and I don't know if maybe I was, like, always on the verge of quitting things or if I was just a... <laughs> But I just have ingrained in my memory Dad saying, Hincy's never quit. There you go. And who knows, maybe 
I mean, I quit soccer, but <laughs> football, I think it was a good choice. But <laughs> you, I always thought you had a future in soccer, too, is the problem. Right. I could have been a goalie. You could have been – that's like the American prototype for players in Europe is like you're the goalie in the Premier League right now. But anyways. Yeah, I know. I quit. Sorry, Dad. And hints he's weren't supposed to. But And so – so I thought of that when you when you said to think of um, famous parent or grandparent quotes, and I think that's kind of like the mantra for the Jazz. And I feel like they've just continually been building up to where they are right now through through the rough days of a young Gordon Hayward and post Darren Williams to now the beauty of Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Jingles, all the guys. Um, I think, I think it's been cool that I mean, like, the Jazz have done it the right way, you know. Um, like, they, I mean, no tank game, and they've just been slowly building to where I, I mean, they're pretty legitimate contenders. And so I don't know if Jazz win a championship or not. I mean, you can hang your hat on the fact that they. They've always tried to do their best. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you now. I, I will wanna, like have a sentimental cop out either if they don't win. Which, no, but which, you, here's the thing. Like, first of all, I'd be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that we totally tanked the year we got Dante Exum. So we definitely tanked that year. Um, uh, but that was in a year of transitional turmoil, I think, for the Jazz. But after the Gordon Hayward thing, no, and it has been building. And I I thought about this a lot last year with Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors, right? Like, I think I asked you this, like, or I can't remember, but it's it felt like if the Jazz in 1996 traded Carl Malone for Shaq um, with the DeRozan-Kawhi Leonard thing, and we had Shaq for one year, and we knew, or the last year of Shaq on the Magic or something, and we had Shaq for one year, and then he bolted to the Lakers, and we won the championship, how would I feel about that? And the truth is, I feel kind of cheap. I'm like, no offense to the Raptors. I think the Raptors, like, that's, that was great. Like, that was awesome. That was a fun team. But I don't know. Like, it's like, we'll get into this with the center thing or something, too. But, like, however you feel about Joel Embiid versus Rudy Gobert, like, I think we're going to win a championship with Rudy Gobert. If we do not, but we would have with Joel Embiid, I'd rather keep trying with Rudy Gobert. That's my, that's, I don't know. Maybe that's because we... Grew up on a team that did that, but I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, the fun thing for me is having a team that's relevant and a team that's got a chance, and so much like happenstance and odds and injury luck and a bunch of other things have to happen for you to win. Like the Raptors could have easily lost in the second round last year, but for a crazy bounce, but they won. Um, so it's just fun, right? To like, this is a team that you like to cheer for, and they're doing it so. It's a good thing that Dad called um, Gail Miller and talked about that strategy. Hence, he's never quit, <laughs> so that they can employ it. Um, all right, well let's let's jump. Uh, that was fun to our our last and our torso segment. Um, let's let's have you go first. Okay, so um, we got a call out from. Oh from shoot! Sorry, academic. did I do this again? I did this again. I, I skipped your second segment. Um, Oh, well, yeah, that's true. You did. Yeah, my bad. My second. bad. What the heck? It's a quick one, and it's, and it's okay, good. Yeah, this is a quick one. This is a good one. Um, at least I'm stoked about it. I'm not sure what you're going to say, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Okay. 
Um, so second segment, um, and we did this last week, and I think we're going to keep doing it. Um, I think Twitter and social media is a big um, avenue for sports info. And so we're just going to do a little social media moment. Um, and so something that I saw that I loved, um, and I actually had something else that I picked and then I saw this last night and it, and it, it like made my heart swell. So I had to, I had to change, Okay. but Andy Larson was interviewing Derek Favors. Shout out to Andy Larson two weeks in a row. Okay. Sorry. Before you say that, I want to apologize to Andy Larson who probably will never listen to this podcast. I, you're on the trip. You're you write for the Salt Lake Tribune. You're an excellent writer. I read your stuff all the time. I just had a little brain freeze last time. Anyways, uh, continue. So yeah, that's actually kind of funny that this is two weeks in a row. But you know what, Andy, you just came in the clutch, man. Yeah, and I'm glad you did this. At Andy B. Larson. There you go. Um, so he was interviewing Derek Favors, and maybe it's the content more than the person. But I'm sure Andy's a great person. Um, but. He interviewed Derek Favors, and I think this is after the Pelicans game, and he's talking about the Jazz. It might have been before. Um, and he's these are just direct quotes of Derek Favors. And he says, Derek Favors on the Utah Jazz, I love Utah. I miss being there, being out there. Sometimes you have to move on and try new things. Um, he said, Favors on who he misses the most in Utah. I miss everybody. I've been around everyone so much. I miss Joe. I definitely miss Joe. I miss all the guys, Rudy, Donovan, Royce, George, all those guys. Um, and then he talks about how he thinks it's going to be emotional when he um, is back and and stuff. So, And then Dante Exum responded and said, I see how it is at Derek Favors. <laughs> can't even mention me. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> and, and, then, and Derek Favors apologized, and man... He, and he's like, my bad, X, I thought I mentioned you. I'll get you first next time. And I was just like, you know what? Derek Favors, he's just a good dude, you know? Yeah. And honestly, seeing him with, like, he's got he's rocking, like, a mini fro right now, like, pretty short, but he's looking good. And I, it just makes me sad to see him, it's, to be honest. It's totally sad, but that whole interaction is everything that's good about social media and Twitter now with sports. Because... And I say that because most of the time people are just upset about social media and in general and social media with sports and news and how toxic it can become. And this just shows like how human these guys are. And it's just a level of interaction that we didn't have before. Like I read the John Stockton book uh, that he wrote. I think it's called Assisted, which if you're a jazz fan, like read the damn book. It's so good. And but here's the thing, like he talks in there about his relationships with like Jeff Hornacek and Adam Keefe and Brian Russell and Antoine Carr and all these things like I never knew like Adam Keefe was around in my life for a long time but I didn't know anything about Adam Keefe because he wasn't like important enough to be to the jazz sorry not important but like big enough star to be interviewed much and um hearing like about their interactions was fun and that's like Adam Keefe to John Stockton is kind of like Derek Favors and Dante X I'm talking or whatever you know um and and that part's really cool. I remember watching this documentary. I think it was the Stockton one or it was something where Jeff Hornacek came on and he t- and he started talking about how much crap the other players on the team gave him for for Hot Rod always calling him horny. And uh <laughs> and that ties into my social media moment. So um but actually I'm going to cheat Doug. I'm sorry, especially because you said you had one and you didn't, but I- I'm going to do a couple runners up just real quick. 
because they're okay. they're yeah, so yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Rob Perez at Worldwide Wob. This week, Ben Simmons made his first three in a professional game. Yeah, it was preseason. But he tweeted, where were you the night Ben Simmons lost his three card? That's really good. I love that. <laughs> I love that very much. Then uh, then someone, uh, Jazz Fan Justin, at Jazz Fan Justin, Justin J, tweeted a, a picture, a, a gif of uh, Zion Williamson flexing after a dunk that said, honest question. Will people from Utah call him Zions Williamson with an S? Yeah, I, I love that. I love that so much. Somebody else did something about that a couple of weeks ago, and I just, you know, I was like thinking Nordstroms and all this. I thought that was perfect. But, I read that and I had to read it like three times, and I was like, "What?" Is I know. Zion? I know. And then, like, when it hit me, I was like, "That's everything I want from Twitter." But the but this is this takes the cake, Doug. Okay, so David Locke, local but awesome jazz play-by-play guy and all-around multimedia guy tweets a link to his podcast saying is Boyan the new horny um basically saying is Boyan Bogdanovich the new Jeff Hornacek and the acquisition is similar to when the Jazz got Hornacek but you know come on Dan Devine from the Twitter from from the Twitter Dan Devine on the Twitter um from the ringer um who's a great national writer I would recommend him for and he's kind of followed he does the NBA and he's done uh, several things on the Jazz in the past he retweeted and said, I get the context, but also independent of the context. Yes, of course, Boyan is the new horny. And that, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, it, does it get better than that? I don't think it gets better than that. <laughs> All right. On to segment three now for real this time. Um, so kick us off, Doug. What do you got? Okay, so segment three, we had a shout out. Thanks for the listen. McKay Richens, our boy. Um, and McKay Shouts wanted McKay. to th- throw in a piece. Um, he wanted to hear our opinion, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Well, just our love for Rudy, Rudy Gobert, but he wanted to hear um, both of our opinions on how we thought Rudy Gobert ranked among centers in the NBA. Um, yeah, and a little co- a little context here. Love you, McKay, yeah. with my whole heart. You're you're a wonderful person, a uh, great basketball player. Um, he actually asked talk about Gobert versus Cat as if that yeah. was the battle for third. So we expanded that to be a, a more true question. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, so and um, so I just wanted to open that up with, so as, um, I guess, just as opening. So ESPN had their top 100 rankings, um, which we favor ESPN in this sense. Um, and so... Anthony Davis, by his own choice, not by his athletic ability and height and what he really plays, has chosen to not be qualified as a center. So yeah, he's out. He's let me jump in here so for two seconds. Considering sec- Anthony Davis, as yeah, a- let me jump in for two seconds on him, just because our whole lives, any any Jazz fan has had to deal with this. Like Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward ever, even though Tim Duncan a hundred percent was a center and played center the entire time and regardless of what he was on an all-star voting or something he was a center carmelon was the best power forward ever but people still call him the best power forward ever just because he chose it so finally i'm gonna get some like i'm gonna get some satisfaction about being on the other end of this and saying anthony davis you're a power forward you're out also you never play a whole season um you're disqualified yep (laughs) so um going through the espn 100 they have um just as far as centers go, they have um, Nikola Jokic. He's number seven, so he's their first center off the board. And then Joel Embiid is ranked number eight, and he's the second center off the board. Um, and then going to Rudy Gobert is the third center at 14. 
and Carl Anthony Towns is um, the fourth center at 18. Um, and so I guess just open up that. Let's hear your thoughts. So this is tough. I am going to try to be as unbiased as possible. I would open this up by saying, maybe I should have done this at the end, but I'm just going to say this at first, that I would trade no one for Rudy Gobert. Like literally I thought about this um, in, in depth and the only circumstance under which I would trade Rudy Gobert is if Gail Miller called me and said, we got to do this, but as part of it, we're going to give you a 10-day contract and you're going to stand <laughs> in the corner and shoot threes. And I would cry. I would cry. I would probably try to call Rudy. I don't have his number. I would send a message to him and I would just say, I'm sorry, but I need this. Um, so that's my baseline. I would trade none of them. Look, I get the Joel Embiid thing. Uh, he, to me, looks like Akeem Olajuwon, but taller and can shoot from the outside. I think Akeem Olajuwon is the is the best center that I've seen in my lifetime besides prime Shaq. And I probably favor Akeem Olajuwon just because I love the all-around nature of his game. Uh, but Shaq was so dominant. Joel Embiid, he's also fun. I, I, do, I think he's fun. I, I think a cool thing about these guys is they all have pretty good nicknames. Joel Embiid, the process. Rudy Gobert, the stifle tower, the French rejection. Uh, Nikola Jokic, the joker. All, all solid. Um, right. Carl Anthony Towns, cat. I don't know. He's yeah. He's disqualified for that reason for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> but cat cat's an interesting one. So I guess I would say if anybody put Joel Embiid as the top of their list when he was crying at the end of the playoffs last year, I loved it. Um, he's so skilled offensively, and I think he's of these three, the only one uh, or four, the only one who comes close to Gobert's defensive ability. And I get that he might be a little more mobile on the perimeter. Um, so my biggest thing with him is that he just gets hurt a lot and he's not in great shape. And Gobert is so driven that he maximizes his physical abilities every year and gets a little better every year. If Joel Embiid does that, he could end up being, you know, among the best five basketball players ever. Like I, he, he's that good. So I, I think, look, if you have him as number one, I'm totally cool with that. Um, the Carl Anthony Towns thing, from a history perspective, real quick, there was a guy named Sharif Abdurrahim who played for like the Grizzlies and some other teams in the 90s. He was the first person I can remember that was a good stats, bad team guy that I was aware of that being a thing. Like he would always be over 20 points a game, sometimes 2010. He was an all-star once. Carl Anthony Towns is way better than him. I, I wanted to call him like a Sharif Abdurrahim. Like I had like all these advanced stats um, that I pulled up and they're a lot more kind to Carl Anthony Towns than I thought they were going to be. But at the same time, he's he's been like chosen by the GMs in the preseason before as the guy to build a franchise around. Yet they've had some talented teams and they can't get they get in the playoffs like once they lose in the first round. His playoff stats are uh, way, way below his regular season stats. He's got it a lot. He's got the whole game, the whole package, but he is not shown it to me yet so i i don't know if you're if you chose him over gobert i would just fundamentally disagree with that yeah and I, and i have this like weird echelon of like people that have it factors and and totally like guys that when it comes to like building your team around them like they have to have the it factor that's why i feel like anthony davis and the pelicans never worked out and why I wasn't, I, I don't know, I, it's like kind of soft, but like not as big of a power move as I thought when like him going to the Lakers, because like Anthony Davis, I feel like 
when when has Carl Anthony Towns like when has he helped the T Wolves win when they when they really needed it? You know, like when are they when have they done anything big in the playoffs or I mean you can't just like throw it all in Andrew Wiggins, you know? No, and if legend holds true Literally last year, Jimmy Butler in practice took like the four guys at the bottom of the bench and and destroyed Wiggins, Towns, and the rest of the starters in a pickup game and then had someone from ESPN come and interview him after, about it afterwards. So if you're telling me Wiggins is a top 10 player or a top three center after that, give me a break, man. Gobert would have at least hit him in the face. And like <laughs> Gobert would have not stood for that. I just also like if you swapped out Gobert on those Minnesota teams with Butler and him and you put Wiggins on the Jazz or sorry, not Wiggins, Towns, I just think the Timberwolves would have made the playoffs. I think they would have been better. I, I just think baseline, he's gonna get you into the playoffs. And I think that's the same for Jokic, and I think that's the same for a healthy Embiid. Um and so to me, he's the clear fourth. He could end up being better. That's 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 where I would try to be fair. Here's one thing I would say. I think the Gobert versus Jokic is super interesting because Jokic, I think almost every NBA writer and non-jazz fan would say Jokic is better. Last season, he was outstanding offensively. But when I was doing, I went to Basketball Reference and you can compare players. Like I, So I put in these four guys and it has advanced metrics. It has basic ones. The thing that I was most interested in was this metric called win shares. Um, I don't fully understand how it works, but it's meant to be a way. I think Bill James, who like invented modern sports analytics, like did this. I don't know if it was a baseball stat first, but it's meant to like calculate what one player's effect on winning is on a team the most, basically. And like the, how much of a, their team's win is attributable to things that they do statistically. And there's an offensive stat and a defensive stat. And the offensive win shares, like, I think this is cumulative. I'm not sure. But, like, of, of these guys, um, like, Jokic is off the charts. And on defensive, like, Gobert is, like, world's better than everybody. But if you do it by per 48 minutes, um, Gobert has .218. I realize this is, doesn't mean anything to most people. But point, or me, even. <laughs> .218. Jokic has .214. And then Townsend and Embiid are under two. And I just think, and I just think it's super, it's super interesting because Nikola Jokic is a brilliant offensive player, and he's actually better at defense than people give him credit for, just because he's big and smart. And yeah. Rudy Gobert is a spectacular defensive player, and he's also a lot better on offense than people give him credit for because he's big and smart. And I, so to me, that's like a real good debate. And I think last year you would have had to say Jokic had a better year. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I had no problem with people putting Jokic's first or second team on NBA and Rudy Gobert being third. But I'm just like, this is the matchup that I want to watch over the next two or three years. They're in the same division. They're both on teams that I think people are starting to warm up to the idea of Jokic as a, a superstar, but they wouldn't, they're not the conventional or like the perimeter oriented superstar that's in the NBA now. And they're also on like smart teams that have built smartly around them and have other guys like Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. I think he's way better than Jamal Murray, but who need to like ascend for them to be really good. And I just think it's a fun Rocky mountain rivalry. Yeah, I agree. And I also, I think like just what, 
if you're casually watching, um, it's, I mean, it's harder to see the awesome things that Rudy's doing versus um, Carl Anthony Towns, Embiid, or, or the Joker. So, I mean, that's why these advanced metrics and stats are so nice. That Yeah, he led the league. This is my favorite one. Story. Yeah, this is my favorite one because I think it's an easy stat to understand, that, but you don't think about very much. But he leads the league, he did last year, I think the year before too, by a long shot in screen assists. So that leads to direct point. It's like anytime you set a screen and the guy you're screening for scores um, immediately. And, you know, that's a, why is that different than an actual like assist where you pass them the ball? It's the same thing. It's leading to points on offense. So right. he just accounts for more offensive production than you think. Um, so look, if you if your list was Joel Embiid, um, Nikola Jokic, Gobert, Towns with an asterisk that Towns has uh, worlds of talent and could get better, I think that would be. A f- Wait, did I put Jokic for a second? Yeah, <laughs> Gobert. Yeah, 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 I think that would be fair. Uh, my list would probably switch Gobert and, and Jokic. And all I'd say about Embiid is there's a thing around Utah that if you follow Jazz Twitter, you probably know. It's called DNP Gobert, which means uh, every time he comes, he doesn't seem to play against the Jazz. And they should put on the injury list, did <laughs> not play. You know, Norman, they play, did not play like hamstring injury. Or if it's Rodney Hood, did not play gastroenteritis uh, but, <laughs> or gastric distress. But with uh, with Embiid, it's did not play Gobert. I don't know. Come play, Joel. Come to Utah and play this year if you think you're the best center in the NBA. Agreed. Was that not very biased? Think... Was that a little too biased? No, that was beautiful. <laughs> All right. That's the best way to end the segment. Um, we're in the torso, by the way. We're in the torso. It's getting funky. All right. So I'll make my last thing short in the torso then, um, like my torso short. Uh, this is just me giving a love letter to Tyler Huntley. At the beginning of the season, Tyler Huntley is a quarterback for the University of Utah Utes. Um, I went to Utah. I'm a Utah fan. As we mentioned in our last podcast, neither of us really grew up in the BYU-Utah rivalry. We were outside the state of Utah a lot. And also, um, you know, we were kind of Aggie fans. Uh, you still are. Um, and I have a warm spot for them. But this season, before the season, everybody's like, Tyler Huntley is the third best quarterback in the state of Utah. Like everybody was on Zach Wilson and Jordan Love, who are both great, good players, great players even. But people are just hating on Tyler Huntley, and I just didn't get it because in my span of Utah fandom, there's three guys in the top tier, and it's Alex Smith, Brian Johnson, and now Tyler Huntley. Like I, Alex Smith was awesome. That was kind of the beginning of me following Utah football closely. Um, he, like, obviously Scott Mitchell's out there somewhere in history. I, I, all I remember from him is just being bad on the Lions, but I know he's good for Utah. Um, but Alex Smith was great. I love Brian Johnson. Like, he almost feels unassailable just because he took, he took Utah from, like, the depths of despair five times in games to have an undefeated season and then knocked off Alabama. And to me, he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure. But the first time I saw Tyler Huntley play, I, I liked Troy Williams, who we had before. He was kind of the best quarterback we'd had in a while. We had the guy who looked like McLovin from Superbad. We had Travis Wilson, like a few guys that just didn't didn't ever pan out because of injuries and stuff. Um, but I liked Troy Williams when they brought in Tyler Huntley. I was kind of bummed. And then he just played. I was like, oh, no, this guy's better. This guy's just better. And then I, that first season, I was like, he's going to be – he might end up being the best quarterback Utah's ever had. And then he's had a bunch of injuries since – and never gotten a good rhythm until this year. And guess what? 
he is completing like over 75% of his passes. He is like, he's thrown nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. He is sixth in the country in QBR on ESPN in the country, not the state of Utah, the country. His rating is 187.6. I don't know what that means, but it's a lot. It's high. Um, And for me, watching him in the USC game, the one game they lost right after Moss got hurt, he was a lion. He was playing like just the heart he exhibited and the drive that the, the fact that they lost that game is really frustrating to me, but he was so good. And then they came back to Washington state the next week. And I thought this is trouble. The season could spin out. And he was like, no, it's not going to spin out. I'm just good. So that's my, that's my thing. Tyler Huntley is getting there in that top three for me, Utah quarterbacks of all time. Um, and that's my love letter to him. I like it. I like it. I think one reason why he's been a little overlooked, um, and not to throw down um, your love letter, but just because they have Zach Moss and he's like Zach the Moss best is running a beast. back they've ever had. Zach Moss is I mean, a fun thing sports wise for me. Sorry, sorry, just one point. It's just because when he first played, I think he was behind Devin Booker. He's behind another good Utah running back, and and he just looked like it, you know. But he got tackled a little too easy the first year. And I was like, oh, why doesn't why is he not a little better? And it was just because he was a freshman. And then he just got better, and now he's awesome. Now he's maybe the best running back ever for Utah. Yeah. Like, it's really good. But, yeah, no, I think that's a good level letter. I still take Jordan Love over. I'm just saying. Fair enough. <laughs> Go Aggies. <laughs> Fair hashtag, enough. Hashtag swaggies. All right. Um, okay, so should, should we just uh, Jay Crowder this thing into a four-point play and do one quick bonus thing? Yep. All right, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Okay, so I didn't even tell you mine until we were right before. But so my um, and one has to do with mascots and team names. So this week I was, um, it was the Bucks game. I, st- I was watching the start and then I had to go to like a, a school meeting or something like that. And so I was listening on the radio. And David Locke was playing a recording of an interview that he had of Mike Conley before the game. And and Mike Conley said, um, I just love being a Utah Jazz. <laughs> and he stopped. And I was like, wait, did, like, did it cut out? Like, but then he kept talking. And I was like, did he just say a Utah Jazz? And I thought, what the heck? and then and then i thought through it and i was like utah jazz utah jazz and i was like it's weird that and and that i've been looking through all the other teams like i'm an atlanta hawk i'm a boston celtic he was a memphis grizzly but when you say you have to say i'm a member of the utah jazz or i am a utah jazz it's too much but you can't it's say too i am a utah jazz <laughs> it was so funny and i was just sitting in the car and i was like this this is good. This is good. <laughs> but uh, there's only a couple other teams that like. I am a Miami Heat. You can't really say that. Yeah. Or um, I am an Orlando Magic. Like what is a Magic? I don't know. But I just thought it was. That's it perfect. Was I've got nothing to add to that other than that. I'm just in, I'm just it enjoying pretty. it. All right. So I'll do mine last, but mine's gonna play us out. So real quick, wanted to thank everybody again who's listened to the show. Um, stick with us. I'm sure there's some bumps and bruises along the way as we figure out what works and what doesn't work. But banana bruises. Banana, banana bruises. But a bruised banana is a treat. Damn it. So enjoy it. Um, but 
uh, we'll tweet it out. We tweet out the the uh, episodes each week. You can follow us on Twitter. I think Twitter's kind of fun if you're a jazz fan and if you don't do it. Doug, what's your handle? I'm at Doug is the name. Um, you could search Doug Hensey too. I'm sure it comes up that way. But at Doug is the name. And I am at Mark Twos and Threes. So it's M A R C two S N three S. Um, we went back and forth on what that should be this week. Uh, that was funny enough. <laughs> you can find me as the person who you can find me as the person who lo- likes all of Doug's tweets um, consistently. Um, okay, so my bonus thing: um, our grandma, uh, our mom's mom, Grandma Peggy, Grandma Peggy Matthews. We love you. Um, if you were to see me on Facebook, you would see that basically over the last two years, my only interaction on Facebook, other than like posting Instagram pictures, is. Um, conversations after every jazz game regular season and playoffs with our grandma who is a diehard jazz fan um it's it's kept my sanity at um it's talked you know every time i'm writing to my grandmother i have to tone back my crazy a little bit (laughs) so i love you grandma thank you for that after the last podcast um we got sent a lovely uh clip of of grandma peggy giving her favorite quinn snyder memory so we're gonna play it off with that Thanks for listening. Boom. Have a good one. One of my favorite memories of Quinn Snyder is one time during a game he called a timeout and he had the when the players were all gathered around him, he just stood there and looked at him and he didn't say a word. But you could tell by the look on his face what he was thinking and feeling. And I just got a huge chuckle out of that that he could just look at him and They knew what he was wanting.